רמה. 102.3 FM. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. לכל רמה ניתן להזין באינטרנט. כל רמה נקודה US. כל רמה. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. כל רמה, 102.3 FM. היי, אני רוני רחמני. ואני אביב בר אילן. אנחנו רוצים לאחל לכם שיהיה לכם קיץ אדיר מצוות צילום. ואם אתם רואים אותנו מסתובבים במחנה, תבואו להגיד לנו שלום. אתם מאזינים לרדיו קול רמה, מאו שתיים נקודה שלוש FM. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. 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 כל רמה, 102.3 FM. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. הקשיבו, הקשיבו, אם אתם מחפשים משפחה אוהבת, חוויה מיוחדת של קיץ, הגעתם למקום הנכון. ואני יודעת, כי אני פה, במחנה רמה בברקשר, כבר כמעט 30 שנה. רוצים להרגיש את ישראל כמו שצריך. בואו להגיד לי שלום. אתם מאזינים לרדיו קול רמה, 102.3 FM, מרגישים קיץ באוויר! שירי ארץ ישראל היפה. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. כל רמה, 102.3 FM. מרגישים קיץ באוויר. with you after a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat here in camp. Uh, this is uh, this penultimate, the second to the last Shabbat in camp for Alpayim V'Shesh Ashrei. Uh, it was just a beautiful Shabbat. Uh, it really was a gorgeous day with one hour of rain which brought in some beautiful, cool weather. Just had a beautiful Havdalah service, and we were all uh, in the Sifriyab, uh, hearing a great lecture by Dr. David, Dr. Rabbi David Rubenstein, and then uh, went outside, the cantor, cantor Carol Chesler led us in a beautiful Havdalah service, and now we're back with you for the week. So Shavua Tov to all our listeners here at camp, and to all of our listeners at home. on kolramah.us and uh, we have a treat here because as we're warming up the tubes the tubes down here are warming up for the week after Shabbat and uh, I'm really thrilled to be here with a woman who I have been looking forward to speaking to on the radio for really uh, the entire summer and she's here with us now Simcha Puchot Simcha Welcome to Radio, Radio Korama. Thank you. Ta-da. <laughs> so, Simcha, you know, you, you're a new face here in camp. Well, yes. you're not new anymore because you've been here <laughs> for a number of weeks, but you were new here for us. And uh, tell us what you were doing here in camp this um, summer. So, this summer, as you mentioned, is my first summer. And I'm Rosh Teva. 
uh, Teva is nature. Uh, and well, Teva has like so many wonderful things to offer this year. We have animal care, garden crafts, um, gardening, archery, um, outdoor cooking, um, advanced outdoor skills. And so, uh, yeah, Teva has been working really hard and, um, like that's basically by my responsibility making sure that you know like everything fits in together um yeah so that's a bit of what teva's been about this this summer i didn't realize you had so many different aspects to teva i i only i always thought of the teva shack yeah and that's it but uh you you deal with with so many things how many staff members do you have in teva so altogether including so there's two roches for teva including the roches there's nine of us in teva this summer Wow, so that's really a uh, a big crew, and you brought archery under the Teva wing. So yes, that's interesting because yes. I I would have guessed if it would have been under sports, but instead it's under Teva. How did yeah. that happen? Um, well, that's a, that's all right. A there's a little story. bit of a story, so we'll, it sounds like that'll be a story for next summer. Yes, all next right. summer. <laughs> but really, like it's exciting to have um, archery under Teva. Definitely. That's great. So uh, this is always what's very interesting to all of our listeners. What animals do you have in the Teva Shack? So this year at Teva, we, we, the animals we have are uh, bunnies. Uh, but um, like for anim- animal care, I've been trying to like get the campers and in general like everyone to see a different perspective to animal care not just domestic animals but looking more into the ecosystem and how best we can take care of the animals in our ecosystem by our actions for instance like pollution making campers more aware of not littering and that kind of stuff because like the different kinds of pollution affect the animals, you know, like not just domestic animals, but wildlife. Um, the shampoos we use, they go into the drainage and, you know, like pesticides and that kind of stuff. So that's been part of what animal care has been about. So the kids come to you uh, during Prakim. How many kids at a time come into the Teva Shack for, for a parak? So it depends on what activity it is. We can have as little as three and as many as 14, depending on what um, the parak is. So how do you teach these issues regarding ecology and animal care and planet? Is it didactic where you, you're, you're kind of lecturing? What's, what's the best way to re- do you find to reach these t- kids? Um, so the best way is like one example is going out into nature, like uh, asking them to look around with a magnifying glass to see, like, what can you find? And some campers have found worms and have talked about, like, how exciting worms are and, you know, like, tying it into Judaism, like, what role do, like, worms, like, can you find worms in the Torah? And I gave an example of the Shamir, uh, you know, and, you know, like, those kind of stuff. Um, And also, like, pictures, visual pictures. Um, The campers were very interactive and very intelligent I got some really intelligent responses, which was like, it was really exciting and encouraging for me that they are, they are also aware of these things. You know, I'm, I'm shaking my head when you said Sh- Shamir, and, yeah. and I kind of, in the back of my head, I'm trying to reach out what that is. Explain that just to our listeners. Okay, so basically it has to do like with the building of the temple and like how you couldn't use tools and stuff like that. And like the 
well, there's been a debate on whether it was actually a worm or like a, you know, like another kind of element that was used and like uh, said that there was a, a worm that could cut through stone. Uh, so okay, yeah, I gave that whole debate. Me. Okay, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. And and just let me ask, so the farm Chava program farm yes. is that also under Teva? No, uh, but we do work together huh. um, quite often. Yes. Wonderful. So, so that is something. Teva. So, Simcha, we're, t- we're speaking with Simcha Butchart. Am I pronouncing that last name yes, correctly? That's Simcha right. Butchart, who this year is Rosh Teva. Uh, and what what brought you to this point of Teva? What, what's your uh, what's your interest? What's your background? How did you? Okay, so I'm um, I'm vegan, and it's my fifth year. Um, so I'm very into holistic and natural means uh i'm very i care a lot about the environment and uh raising awareness like not just me but people around me like to be more conscious of how you eat how you live um and so like generally it's something that i'm i'm generally interested in on a like day-to-day basis and your your background academically is it in nature studies or teaching? Yes, tell uh, us, te- tell us. teaching. I I recently finished a, completed a fellowship in California in Simi Valley, uh, called Jewish Experiential Nature Educator. In short, we call it Gene. Um, and basically, you know, like it explored themes like Baal Tashkid. Uh, we did archery, we did woodworking, we did hydroponics and aquaponics, um, soda can stoves, like spoke about biogas and biochar and composting. And um, I, I completed that in March this year. Um, then I went back home to Zimbabwe for two years, and now I'm here. Ah, you just brought up the uh, elephant in the room, because that's <laughs> really, I do want to speak to you about where you're from and yes. how you got here, because that is interesting. But but before we get to that, you know, I, I've been here a number of years already. This is my 15th year, the yes. 15th year of Radio Korama. And, of course, after every meal, we compost uh, all the remaining foodstuffs it's just uh second nature but that always was not always that way and it was wendy rosen really uh who was rush teva for a number of years wonderful uh, who who really brought composting to uh our um cognizance to 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 our um consciousness and i remember the first year she was doing this she had put up a a huge aquarium-like figure where she was composting things in glass so it was really a process of several years that yes. she brought this into camp. And I'll just throw out a, a sh- shout out to Adi Siegel, Karen Siegel's son, Adi, Adi who, Adi, who uh, also spent one summer really working hard. And, okay. and sure enough, their work paid off because here we are doing uh, the composting. And yeah, all. I'm really, it's exciting. Like, um, it should, like, I get excited about when people are making initiatives towards, you know, like improving the environment. So, you know, we have a great international staff here. It's just amazing. Of course, we have the Mishlachat staff from Israel. And to me, it seems over the years, the diversity of the international staff has increased tremendously. I mean, we have uh, we have counselors and staff from England. We have staff from uh, South America. Uh, we have a lot of staff, especially kitchen staff from, from all over, yes. including uh, 
the Eastern European countries. And you, you let the cat out of the bag. You are from Zimbabwe. Yes. And I I don't recall anyone here being from there or from the uh, African continent. Yeah. Are you number one? Uh, I think I am. <laughs> so I, how did you get to here, Camp Ramah in the Berkshires, Wingdale, New York? How did you get here from Zimbabwe? What is that story? Okay, so it's actually the Amir who like uh, works with uh, the farm, the Amir uh, Fellowship. I, I connected with them, and uh, because they're, like they're very into like composting and that kind of stuff, they connected me with Camp Ramah, and then you know like that's how I ended up here. So Amir is is a is what? It's an organization that yeah. promotes farming initiatives. Is yes. it a Jewish organization? Yes, it is. Okay, so you're in Zimbabwe. You grow up in Zimbabwe. Yes. I mean, I want to take this back further. You grow up in Zimbabwe, and you go to school in Zimbabwe. Yes, I grew up in Zimbabwe. I went to school in Zimbabwe, um, after school. Um, so what kind of school did you go to in Zimbabwe? Okay, so <laughs> growing up, I went to many different schools. Um, uh, but, like, in high school, I actually went to a Christian co-educational school. I knew this was going to get interesting. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you're in a... Okay, go ahead. Uh, it was a private school, and it was Christian co-ed school. Um, and, yeah, I was sharing, like, the differences, like, the education educational system in Zimbabwe and there. Like, for instance, like, you have to wear uniforms. Your shoes have to be polished. You have to dress in a certain way. You have to behave in a certain way. Uh, and like some of my friends here at camp were like really amazed, like hearing the difference and the contrast um, to like how like their life growing up in the United States or wherever somewhere else. Yeah. You're in a Christian school. You grew up in a Christian family. Yes. Yes. So uh, you you're in that school to what grade? Eighth grade. Um. So in Zimbabwe, we have. Uh, it's from grade one up till grade seven, and then high school begins after grade seven, which is seventh grade here, and then you go into form one. So that's when high school officially begins, um, and then like it's form one, form two, up till form six. That's when you finish. Um, that's when you finish school. So you went through high school in Zimbabwe. Yes. Your high school, was that also a religious school, or was that... Yes, it was a religious, religious school. It uh, initially was Dutch reform, but then later it changed, and it was just a Christian co-educational school, but non-denominational. The, the main language in Zimbabwe, please forgive me, was so provincial. <laughs> no. You know, it's English, it's okay. is that right? Yes, uh, it's English. Um, we actually have three official languages, English... Shana and Debele. So Shana and Debele depends on which region of Zimbabwe you come from. So you speak one of those di- one of those languages as well. Yes, I speak English and Shana. So you're living with your parents all through high school. Yes. A Christian family. Were they? Was are they religious Christian? No. Like uh, I was just actually sharing with someone today that growing up, like we we grew up Christian, knowing about God and you know that like those concepts, but. Um, I didn't really go to church or anything. It's only when I was in high school that, you know, like I had a desire, like 
I, I wanted like more of a religious life. Um, and I remember asking my mom, mom, why don't we have a Bible in the house? Like everyone else has a Bible. And then my mom bought a Bible that had like pictures and it. it's a really old one. She bought it from a bookstore and it had pictures of, uh, like different places in Israel. And like, I grew up looking at those pictures. It's really fascinating. Um, was it a, a Jewish Bible that she bought? No, was it was a Christian Bible, Christian? but it had a lot of like pictures in it. Um, so you, you go through high school. High school's four years there. Yes. Uh, well, five, four or five years, depending. And then you went to college, I guess, right? No. So like I, after high school, I went straight to work. I started working. In Zimbabwe? Yes. All right. You're listening to Call Rama 102.3 FM. You may be listening to us on a podcast at callrama.us. We're here with Simcha Puchart, Rosh Teva, Alpayim Vesheshesrei. So now there's a change in your life at some point. You're working, grew up in a Christian family. You're Christian, not particularly observant. You start searching. You have to ask your mother to get a Bible in the house. It's interesting. <laughs> There's a change in your life somewhere. What is that? What's going on? Um, so, like, for, for me as an individual, I like to ask questions. Like, I, I, I like intellectual things. I have, like, keep, keep my mind going. And so I started reading that Bible that my mom got and just reading it. And I remember when I was in high school, towards, like, my last years of high school, I was talking to my friend and I said to her, you know, we're not supposed to go to church on Sunday. We should actually go on Saturday. She's like, oh, really? So you should come to my church. And then I started going to Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, so, like, I always had an interest in the Sabbath way before I converted to Judaism. Um, and I could say I was a very dedicated or staunch Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, but I started to have more questions. Like, okay, we keep Sabbath. We believe, like, you know, like in modesty and this and that. But what about everything else? in the Bible, like, why don't we observe that? And I never got any satisfying answers from anyone. Um, and, you know, like some of the pastors were like, oh, I went to theological school. I know a bit of Hebrew. And I wasn't satisfied with the fact that someone was telling me something meant something without me knowing what it meant. And so I started to do more research. And I uh, started searching on the Internet, coming across, like, um, like, stuff that I didn't know, I didn't understand, uh, which is a bit scary for me. It's like, wow, like there's so much to learn. And I shifted from like Christianity to what's called like Messianic Judaism, which is Christ like Christianity, but following more Jewish traditions. So like keeping the festivals. Uh, but I was still going to Seventh-day Adventist church. And um, uh, I went to, I was visiting South Africa. I went for services with a Messianic congregation. And then they introduced me to someone in Zimbabwe. And this girl was going to another church, and a pastor there says to her, There's a Jewish guy teaching biblical Hebrew. I know you're interested in this kind of thing. You know, like here are his contact details. And she calls me. She's like, Guess what? I have exciting news. There's a Jewish guy teaching biblical Hebrew. Do you want to go for the lessons? I was like, of course. 
Um, and so my teacher, whose name's Yossi, is Israeli. He left Israel 13 years ago and settled in Zimbabwe. Um, and he teaches at one of the Jewish schools in Harare as the Hebrew teacher. And he also um, is a carpenter by profession, so he runs a business from home. And so I started lessons with Yossi. Um, at that time, I started being more interested in Judaism. And so I started going to shul. Uh, but around that time, I was employed at a homeschool as a teacher working for a Seventh-day Adventist family. And as a result, like, I, at first it was church, shul, church, shul, and then I stopped going to church. I started going to shul. And I lost my job because of that. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, people, like, don't understand that just because you're going to a, a synagogue, it doesn't make you Jewish. It just means you're going there. And they're like, oh, you're Jewish now. I'm like, no, there's a whole conversion process you have to go through. Like, people didn't understand that whole concept. So that, that was very challenging for me, and it was hurtful. And also, like, my family didn't understand. They're like, are you sure you want to make the sacrifice? I mean, like, you're going to lose your job. And I lost uh, a lot of my friends because Zimbabwe is mostly a Christian nation, and... Um, they're not used to having like Jewish people or like there's the Jewish community is very closed off and so the concept of like there's Jewish people who have different beliefs uh, is not something that is how should I say common and so I did lose a lot of my friends and people that I relied on and depended upon which is a hard time for me um, and the fact that the Jewish community I was currently with was also not very welcoming so it was also a struggle where my mom would be like, why do you go there? Like, they're not nice to you. Why do you go? Um, and I said to my mom, well, I'm not going to shul because of them. I'm doing it for me. Um, and so, yeah, like that was like the beginning of my journey to Judaism. What age were you at that point? Um, so I'm 26 now. It was about five years four or five years ago I, I must say I, I wouldn't have I had no idea there was any Jewish community in Zimbabwe so you mentioned you were going to a shul there the shul was in which town in Harare the capital city and is that the one synagogue in Zimbabwe? So in Zimbabwe, there's actually um, a number of synagogues. In the capital city, there's an Ashkenazi and Sephardi community. They used to be 7,500, but now it's 250 in the whole country. And uh, because they, it's an Orthodox community, and because they struggle to get a minion on a Shabbat, they combine services. So once, one Shabbat, it's an, we go to the Sephardi shul and have a Sephardi service. Next Shabbat, it's an Ashkenaz, at the Ashkenazi shul. Um, and then there's the Lemba Jews, uh, if you've ever heard of them. Um, they have a synagogue in Harare and in another city called Mashingo. Just fascinating. So, huh, so you find this Jewish community, which is a topic for a whole other <laughs> visit. Yes. How 7,000 Jews when it was ended up, how that community ended up in Zimbabwe is there a simple answer? There's never a simple answer uh, No, it's oh, not a simple a answer So that, <laughs> that's for another time But dabbling around with your friend 
meeting up with Yossi. You have a last name for Yossi? What was his last Kabli. name? Yossi Kabli. Yes. Learning some biblical Hebrew, going to some services, that's still a ways away from actually going through a conversion process, right? True, true. So take us through that. So uh, in Zimbabwe, there is no rabbi, uh, which is like makes conversion for anyone very difficult. And so I, in order for me to do my conversion, I was assisted by an organization called Kulanu. And Kulanu supports and helps emerging Jewish communities in different parts of the world. And it wasn't the Ashkenazi Sephardi community that connected me to Kulanu. It was the Limba tribe. Um, uh, they connected me to Kalanu, and Kalanu was able to facilitate a conversion for me here in the United States last summer. Uh, so it's been officially a year since I went through my conversion. So you, you come here to the United States last year. That was your first visit? Yes. And you, where, where did this take place? New York? Or? In West Orange, New Jersey. So you, That's you, where the mikvah was. <laughs> So you you come specifically to the New York region, specifically to meet a community in West Orange, and meet a rabbi there. My Beit Din was there, yes. But at that point, you had really already studied and were ready. Yes. So how did you study? If there's no rabbi in Zimbabwe and you prepared in Zimbabwe, how did you do that? So uh, before I met the Limba, a lot of my study was either with like in the classes with my teacher Yossi and most of it was online. Um, I used to go online and read and just study like, you know, staying up late at night reading the Bible. I didn't have a chumash then, which I have now. <laughs> uh, but I'll just read and I'll go online and study um, and learning more Hebrew. That was that was really helpful for me. But it, it was difficult. It really was difficult. But like, there's Chabad was a very Chabad.org was a very useful resource for me because they like explain everything in detail. Uh, another website was Jewish Pathways, which I really liked because. They have like different courses, and one of them was on Musar, which I'm very interested in. I explored Kabbalah and like all these different um, things within Judaism, which I find really beautiful. So you come to West Orange, a family puts you up, hosts you. Is that how that worked? Yes. Yeah, so the president of, of the organization called Kalanu hosted me, um, and we drove, drove up to West Orange to meet my Beit Din. Um, and then they asked me questions about, you know, like my interest in Judaism, uh, like why I want to, like why I want to do it, and you know, like just what they asked, and then like a baked in, and and then eventually the rabbis were like, okay, you know, I'm like you're ready now to go and immerse in the in mikvah, and yeah. At the thing, they didn't ask you like test questions on halakha or things like that. They were really trying to get to the deeper issues of what brings you on this unbe- uh, this unique. It's, it has to be a unique journey. Yeah. Well, they asked like different questions, but like one of them was uh, like you know like the Jewish people or people that you know like they're a minority and you know they've gone through so many struggles like why would you want to join them are you willing to go through that and i explained to him i've already lost jobs like just going to synagogue like i know what it's like um it's happened like several times to me like where i can't get hired because i say like i can't work on saturday like 
um, or I'm asked, I'm literally forced to work on Shabbat and like, I'm sorry, I can't. Um, and I explained that to the rabbi, like, I know what it's like and I, I still want to do it. Like, this is something that's, I feel connected and I feel like that's for me. Um, and so like when the rabbis heard that, like, they were like, okay, you know, like you're ready. So. So Simcha, amazing. So, so this process uh, occurred approximately a year ago. Yes. And have you been living here in the U.S. since then, or have you been back to Zimbabwe? So I've been traveling. So after that, uh, after my conversion, I did um, a program called Brandeis Collegiate Institute (BCI), which is uh, oh, like the it's part of the American Jewish University in um, in California, which is a twenty-six day program. Uh, for young Jewish adults from the ages of 18 to 26. Uh, it completely transformed my life, and I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, and then after that, I traveled a bit, and I went back home for a month, uh, where we had uh, two volunteers from Kalanu who I had stayed with here in the United States. They went back home for a month and taught at the Lemba community. And then after the month, I went back to California and did my fellowship for six months. Then I went back home for two months, and now I'm here. The program at Brandeis, what is that called? Uh, so it's called, one is Brandeis Collegiate Institute, and the other one is Jewish Experiential Nature Educator. And you said the Collegiate Institute transformed your life. Is yes. that what you said? Yes, it did. Why? How? Um, so, like, this program is all about discovering yourself and your Jewish identity, and they explore themes and, like, how it's okay to be Jewish in different ways. Like, it's a very pluralistic environment, and we explore Judaism through arts, like music or visual art or film um, or theater. And, um, you know, like, we have Beit Midrash, and you, it was a very open environment and a community where you could discuss any issue that was important without judgment or, like, it and. And, you know, like, it was filled with support. And I think it was the best thing for me being new to Judaism, like, as officially converting and stuff. And it's it was just perfect for me. So so I, I know you're, you're going to be leaving camp uh, pretty soon. Yes. And camp is about a week or so left of camp, a little more, and you'll be leaving uh, soon. So where are you going now? What are your plans now? So I'm leaving to go back home to Zimbabwe uh, for five days. And then on the 15th of August, I leave for Israel. Uh, I'm going to be studying at Pardes in Jerusalem for 10 months uh, doing the social justice track. Wow, Simcha. I, it's really been a blessing to have you here at Camp Ramah. And, Thank uh, you. What, what a... Uh, journey and and thank you so much for sharing it so openly with us um where do you see yourself like in two years from now in two years well like my dream is to have um, an educational institution that encourages like healthy living uh like arts uh, i try not to make it sound like bci but like a community that um you know like 
a retreat center where people come and they learn about healthy living and how to live healthy and art and um, for everyone, not just Jewish people. Um, so I, I see myself working towards that dream in the next few years. Uh, but then again, I don't know what Hashem has planned for me, so. <laughs> Simcha Puchart, amazing. So, uh, 10 months in Israel at Pardes, wonderful uh, program there. And then after that, I mean, you see yourself over the next five years. <laughs> I'm going to push this out more. And more. <laughs> I mean, you see yourself relocating in Israel, coming back to the United States, making Zimbabwe your home. It, it's a ridiculous question because yes. who knows? And you gave me the answer. Yes. You don't know what Hashem has planned. But yes. Well, maybe we should leave it like that, unless you yeah, have any other I'm, thoughts. I'm not sure. I'm not I, sure. Right now, I'm not sure. Of course, sure. you're not sure. Simcha Butchart, thank you so much for joining us here on Kol you. you. brought so much to the camp this summer, and you certainly brought a tremendous amount right here this evening to our radio station and our listeners. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Share.